Hi, I'm Steve, and this is my wife, Kitty. We are attenders here at uh, Westwood, and I've been attending since 2009. Steve and I both have backgrounds with grief. I had a wife who passed away from colon cancer, and uh, it was a three-year battle. Grief came along and struck me right between the eyes. My nephew had passed away in 2000 from a house explosion in Chaska. Uh, as part of our ministry this last year, I was asked to uh, become part of Grief Share. And Grief Share is a ministry at our church where we meet with people who have lost loved ones who are seeking help with grief. When you see people going through grief once you've gone through it, I think you just want to reach out to them and let them know that God is with them. Jesus is our Lord and He suffered greater things than we could ever imagine. He will bring us towards that light of everlasting love and hope. In anticipation of the birth of Jesus, we celebrate hope. This is from John 1, 1 through 5 and 14. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Amen. We are the Syversons, and today we celebrate hope. Come on, Westwood. Why don't you put your hands together at all of our locations if you're, if you're excited to be in church this Sunday. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to all of our campuses. Bush, Lake, West Tonka, what's up? All our family, hey, we love you. Hey, even if you're joining us here in person at our Chan location, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for the opportunity just to journey with you as we all um, grow into our relationships with Christ together. Uh, many of you probably have realized already, but I am not Pastor Joe. <laughs> My name is Joe Jackson Jr. I get the honor of being the high school pastor here at Westwood, and I tell you, this journey has been so phenomenal. And as I begin to interact and connect with uh, more of you each and every week, I am blown away by how much this place has touched you, how much it has impacted you. Typically, I start the conversations off with the same question, and that is, what has made Westwood so special for you? And I can't tell you from how many of you I've heard that Westwood is so special to not just you, but to your family, to your kids, because it's a place that feels like home. It's a place where you feel like that you can belong, where you feel alive, connected in community. And I can't tell you how much I share that same passion and emotion with you. And I just want to take a moment. I just want to honor our pastors. Come on, can we put our hands together in all of our locations for them? Hey, thank you so much, Pastor Joel, if you're watching. Miss Carrie, hey, we love you so much. Thank you for creating an environment that um, we can not only come to uh, see Jesus and understand Jesus, but where we can be in love like Jesus. So thank you so much. It's an honor to uh, be in your flock, to work under your stewardship, sir. We love you so, so much, so much. Come on, can we put our hands together for them one more time? I, uh, I want to give you a, a bit of a glimpse into my story. Um, 
I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, where we have one season and one temperature that we call hot. <laughs> to say that life uh, here in Minnesota has been an adjustment is definitely an understatement. Nonetheless, it has been a blessing. Uh, but I want to invite you into uh, my circle and how my life has come to be how it is, and even some of the people, some of the circumstances that God has used to impact me. So I got a few pictures. I believe more than anything that pictures have a way of telling a story that uh, words can sometimes never do justice of. So here's our first picture. This is, uh, this is my mom. This is my mom, Barbara. Uh, my mom, actually, she passed away in, in September 2019 uh, from breast cancer. And I can't tell you how much of an impact my mother had on my life. She was such a pivotal pillar in my uh, faith formation. She was the one that taught me how to pray. She was the one that really taught me how to trust God, to depend on God, to lean on God. Come on, I believe for some of us in this room, some of us, we just had a praying mom. Come on, we had a grandma that would pray for us, that would intercede for us. It's the very reason why we're still standing in our right mind today. And for, uh, for me, that was very much the case with my mother. I love my mother so, so much. She has such an impact on my life. If I was to give you a snapshot into what my journey looked like before ministry, it was much different. Uh, life had a much different ring to it. And uh, this would be that snapshot here. So prior to uh, ministry, I was so blessed. I received a, uh, a scholarship to go play football at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So I love my heels. Go heels. Um, I say that for all the Dukies in the room. Um, God bless you. God bless you. I tell you, this was such an amazing journey. Um, God taught me so many life lessons that I wasn't able to see until I looked back. Isn't it crazy how sometimes when we begin to examine our lives retroactively, we see what he was doing all along. But in the moment, sometimes it just, not, just did not make sense. And for me, football taught me faith. I learned faith through football. And uh, I'm so thankful for it, so grateful for it. If I was to give you a glimpse into what my life looks like nowadays, this would be it. <laughs> I get, to, uh, I get to love on your, your students for a living, your kids, your babies. Come on, they don't like it when we call them babies, but that's what we are. Come on. You, <laughs> come on. You know you want a hug and you want my skills. Come on. Uh, but I love them so much. Thank you for every um, parent, every uh, high school parent, every middle school parent who entrusts us to uh, love on your kids. I tell you, it's, it's, it's a blessing. And it's not just about the impact that maybe we bring to them and what we can even teach them. It's really a lot of times how they teach us, how they... Um, push us to grow even closer to God. But uh, that's enough about me. We're, uh, we're jumping into a brand new series that we're starting today calling Unexpected Stories, Everyday People. And uh, in case you're unaware, we're beginning our ascent into Advent season. And I believe as people, we've made Advent about so many different things, so many different gifts, so many people, missing what the true essence of it really is. And that is celebrating the arrival of Jesus. And really everything that comes with him, the peace, the joy, the mercy that some of us so desperately need and desire. So as we journey over the next few weeks, that is what we will uncover. We will remember, we'll focus back in on the true gifts that really matter during this season. Even some that come in the most unexpected ways. So I want to jump into our scripture today. I'm going to be coming from Isaiah chapter 9 verses 2 through 7. If you want to whip out your Bibles and flip there. I'll give you a moment. Um, once you found it, say, I found it. If you need some time, even at Bush Lake, say, just wait on me. I'll hear you in the spirit. <laughs> We're going to throw it up on our screens here. Uh, but I really want to begin to set the stage for where we are uh, in biblical antiquity and what exactly is taking place. Uh, so at this point in time, we see uh, ancient Israel. They've become 
what can be seen as the most dominant force in the world. And it has been their desire to appoint a king and form a united monarchy. This was very much uh, in contrast to what God desired for them. It was his heart to be their king, to be their provider, their sustainer, but the people wanted different. They thought they knew better. Anybody, you ever thought you knew better sometimes? Like you thought you just knew best and it just turned out bad, <laughs> real bad. That was the case for Israel. It got bad, really bad. Civil war broke out. Tribe began to fight against tribe. Nation began to fight against nation. And quickly, Israel finds itself in some of the most divisive and dark times of its history. And it's really here that we see why God sends Isaiah to proclaim this message of hope and of a future, despite the gloom and the darkness that seems to be looming all around. And he says this, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors re rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. If you're taking notes, the title of my message today is The Light Has Come. Expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Come on, let us pray. Father, I pray that you will speak now, Lord God, some wonderful truth that you'd have us to hear. Father, give us eyes to see you. God, give us ears to hear you, Father. God, more than anything, Father, God, I pray that you would give us a heart to feel and to receive you. God, your word says that uh, you are the potter, we are the clay. Our prayer is that you would make us, God, that you would mold us, and that you would shape us into what you'd have us to be. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray, and we all say together, amen. Amen. amen, amen. Expect the unexpected, expect the unexpected. So at this point in uh, ancient Israel, most scholars would agree that we're sitting around the year 740 B.C. This is when uh, most theologians believe that Isaiah's ministry begins to step on the scene and take off. And so much has changed about Israel, not just economically, not just politically, but spiritually as well. Things are not quite how they used to be. Times don't look like how they once did. The nation that was mostly, once the most dominant force in the world has now seen itself being split because of disobedient leadership. I'll give you a recap of what has happened. God has given Solomon an instruction. The instruction was, Solomon, I need you to get rid of all the foreign women. I know you got a thing for them, Solomon. I know you, you like them, but at the end of the day, this is not my heart for you. I need you to get rid of the women because they'll become the very thing that divides your heart from me, 
and leads you left of the path that I've laid out for your life. Look, I feel like I just got to pause for a second and say this for all the young adults in the room, all the young adults at home at Bush Lake, at West Tonka. Hey, if they don't want to walk in relationship with God, if they don't want to enter into intimate relationship and uh, covenant with him, do me a favor. Run. <laughs> they can't help you. They can't lead you further in your spiritual development. Do me a huge, huge favor. Run. Fast. <laughs> as, um, as for Solomon, he makes his decision. He disobeys. His heart is divided. God splits away the kingdom. Ten tribes are torn away. A northern tribe is created and a southern tribe is created. And the Bible illustrates that darkness or dark times begin to come not over just the land, but over every person in it. If I'm being honest, this is really where I want to begin our chat for this morning. I want to talk from the point, dark days, dark days. Now show of hands, anybody ever had some dark days? Like, things just was not going my way. This is not my day. Things are not going according to how I planned or how I pictured it. Come on, can we take it a step further and even get more transparent? Anybody going through some dark days right now? Things aren't quite how I um, imagined they would be. The doctor's report came back not so good. The marriage isn't doing so good. It feels like, uh, honestly, Joe, Feels like my spouse has one foot in and one foot out. Feels like my mental health is on the decline. It just, it seems dark. I found that many of us, we can begin to experience uh, the dark days in so many different ways. I can remember as a child, uh, I would often sit in my childhood bedroom in the dark, and typically I would wake up at uh, 6 a.m. in the morning on Saturdays. If you know me, you know that's a, that's a praise break in itself. Me waking up at 6 a.m., that's, a that's a reason to celebrate right there. But uh, I, can remember, um, I can remember sitting up in the bed, and from the other room, I could hear these whistling noises coming from the TV. And at first, I didn't know whether to be alarmed, uh, to inquire, but quickly, I began to imitate it. And I can remember sitting up and trying to get it down, and eventually, I got it, and this is what it sounded like. Now, you want to you wanna talk about dark days? <laughs> Barney has some dark days. Now, I love Opie. I love A.B. from Mayberry. I love Andy. Andy was not just a phenomenal uh, family man. He was not just a phenomenal man in the community. Andy was a phenomenal businessman. But Barney? <laughs> Barney had his days. Bar- Bar- Barney, you let him lock you in the cell again, Barney? <laughs> Barney, you let Otis steal your keys again? <laughs> Barney had his days, but I've learned that we all do. And even Israel, they for sure had their days. And the question that we have to begin to ask is why? Why has the darkness gotten so gloomy? Why has it gotten the way it is? Here's the answer. Disobedient leadership. Even if we were to practically examine this in our contemporary world, typically, Great sports teams, great organizations, great ministries, great churches all have one thing in common, faithful leaders. Corrupt organizations, corrupt churches, 
Toxic ministries typically all have one thing in common, unfaithful leadership. And for the nation of Israel, this is the thing that you have to get. This was the same for them. Now, during the ministry of Isaiah, um, the Bible makes it clear that he serves under predominantly four kings. For the, for the purpose of our story today, we'll be looking at the uh, ministry of Isaiah under Ahaz. And one thing that you have to understand about Ahaz is Ahaz is wicked. Ahaz is completely rogue. Ahaz is toxic. Like, I'm talking dangerously toxic, like recklessly toxic. Ahaz is like, Ahaz sacrifices his kid toxic, just completely gone rogue. And for the Israelites, one thing that you have to know about these times, especially when it comes to kingship, is the influence that kingship has on the people. Because influence is significant. As a matter of fact, I don't feel like we talk about influence enough sometimes. As if it isn't the main way that we begin to make decisions and even come to reason. I don't care whether you're 85 or you're 25. From the womb all the way to the tomb. From the day that you open your eyes to the day you close them and you see Jesus. You have the ability to influence and be influenced. And the question that we've got to begin to ask ourselves is, what is influencing me? And where is it leading me to? Am I being pulled further in my faith or further away from my family? Am I being propelled into community or away from spending time with my kids? Am I stepping into purpose or am I leaping away from fulfillment? What is influencing me? And watch this. Who is influencing me? Now for Israel, the Bible makes it clear that King Ahaz is the influencer. He's the one that has begun to instigate these dark times, these dark days on the people, and very much generated this cycle of evil, of rebellion, that has started this wrestle with the people and with God, his will and with their will. His influence even begins to sow seeds in a wrestle for how the people will receive the gift that he'll eventually extend to save them in Jesus. I believe one thing to note about these times with Israel is that influence is significant. What's influencing me? Who's influencing me? And where is it leading me to? I believe when it comes to influence in general, maybe for some of you, maybe like the, the nation of Israel, maybe it isn't unfaithful leadership that has instigated or influence the dark days that it feels like you're walking through. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe disappointment seems to be the thing fueling the dark times in our lives. Maybe it's a series of unfortunate events. If you hear nothing else that I'm saying, this is the true peace that I need you to take away. Here's the main idea. I need you to let nothing influence you away from obeying God and receiving the gifts that he extends to you. Not the distorted opinions of people. Not the dark days because of disappointment. Somebody turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't wrestle against the gift. Come on, let's try it again. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't wrestle against the gift. Don't wrestle against the gift because God always gives good gifts. God always gives good gifts. Now show of hands. How many of us love good gifts? 
Now notice how I said us, because I'm included in this. I enjoy gifts. I love not just to receive gifts, that's great, but I also love to give gifts. I'm surprised that gift giving actually isn't one of my more popular love languages. It's just what I love to do. It's uh, how I love to express uh, my gratitude to people. It doesn't matter if it's a video game to one of our students or it's a Keurig. I don't even like coffee. If it's a Keurig or even if it's a coat, I just love to give. One of the things that I've found, though, over the, the uh, course of my short 28 years of life is that there's always a few gifts that you just wanna, want to leave your memory altogether. Like there's, there's, there's always a few gifts that you like. I wish I could just forget this one forever. Come on, for all my married people, sometimes it's the passive-aggressive gifts. <laughs> I, uh, I, remember, um, I remember I had a friend. His mom bought his dad a bottle of palm olive because she was tired of him forgetting to wash the dishes. <laughs> like it'd just be the petty gift sometimes that you just wish you could forget. I, uh, I remember... I remember my mom, she always used to love to uh, give us gifts. She used to always uh, love to love us through gift giving, and she had a way of doing it, whether it was on our way home from church or on our way home from work. Uh, she just had a way of always trying to figure out our, our uh, favorite snacks, our favorite things to munch on. Now, if you know me, you know I'm a, I'm a big cereal person. I love cereal. As an adult, it's come to be Cinnamon Toast Crunch. As a kid, it was Frosted Flakes. You hear me? My mom would ask me, you know, what was my favorite thing to snack on and, and what did I love to munch on? I would tell her it was Frosted Flakes. She'd go to the store and get Flakes of Frost, like the Great Value brand kind. <laughs> and I'd get it and I'd be like, where's Tony the tiger? And where's the toy that's supposed to be inside of it? I, uh, <laughs> I know this is a child's story, but uh, how many of us find ourselves oftentimes rejecting the very gift that God is trying to give us. Watch this, even rejecting the gift of Jesus because we don't like how it came. This is not what I imagined. This is not how I thought my spouse would be. This is not how I thought my business would be. I didn't imagine this. I found for many of us our real struggle is between the expectation we've set and the reality that we experienced. How I pictured it and how it wound up playing out. How I thought it would be and how it came to be. Typically between the expectation that we have and the reality that we experience, there's always a gap. And for many of us, the gap is the very reason why it's so hard for us to accept or acknowledge that Jesus is in it because it don't look like how we thought it would look. It don't feel like how we thought it would feel. As a matter of fact, if I was even to go a step further with it, I'd say that sometimes our expectations, if not careful, can simply just become uh, contemporary idolatry. Our ideations and creation of what we feel like would bring us our best version of peace. Isaiah makes it very clear that uh, uh, Jesus is our high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is our hope. He's the light of the world that has come to shine on the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. The question is, will you receive it? He's come to give us his joy, his mercy, his peace. The question is, do you want what he has? Or do you want to recreate your own version of it? Do you want to piece together your own picture of peace? Or do you want what God has? I believe for so many of us, we struggle with the gap because the gap is not what we expected. 
The gap is not what we prepare for. Maybe for some of you, you thought that, um, you thought the family would be economically stable by now. You thought that we would be through this storm. And now in the middle of it, the very question we find ourselves asking, is, is Jesus who I thought he was? Maybe, maybe for you it's sickness. Maybe it's cancer. Cancer has tried to come in and take over. And the very question that you find yourself asking is, is God really in this with me? And if so, where? Because I don't see him. Where is he? I believe that even the Israelites themselves at this point in time had an expectation. Isaiah makes it clear that many of them went reveling in the chaos on the back of the influence of King Ahaz. But there was still a remnant that devoted themselves, that loved God, that clung to the faith. And I can't help but believe even they had an expectation of how it would come to be, of how Messiah would come and save them from the dark times, from the dark days. Maybe their expectation was a king who would come to conquer and kill. Maybe it was a, a militant leader with his sword, a rider on his horse with his winnowing fork, but instead they received a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth. It's different than what I expected. It looks different than what I expected. If you hear me say nothing else in this section, here's what I need you to get. is that God is up to something. Even if all I can see is the gap. His great government is being established. Even if I can't really see it. Come on, you can throw it up there, our last point. Great government. I believe uh, some of us, the reality that we've been faced with the expectation we set versus what we've experienced has led us to grieve and even come to the point of wanting to give up. For someone, maybe you barely made it to church today. Maybe at home, you barely, you barely logged on to the stream. While our expectation may not match our experience, our hope that we can cling to is not only is God at work in the gap, but he always has a way of defying what we could have ever imagined. His great government is being established. Now, in certain circumstances, our hope cannot or does not become that things will become better, but they'll actually become worse. Sometimes it's easier to lose hope than hope at all. It's easier to make my expectation that it will never become better than to actually have to deal with the fact that it's not what I thought it would be or it's not what I expected it would be. I, uh, I remember my mother as she was uh, in her last days of life. 
We, uh, we spent them in hospice together. As a matter of fact, actually, the, uh, the night before she passed away. And I remember so much from that day. I remember the conversations we had. She began to reflect over what seemed like the highlight reel of her life. All of the good days. All of the wins. All of the accomplishments. The accolades. The mountain peaks. She even began to reflect over the sleepless nights. The dark days. The day of diagnosis. And I remember my mom said something to me that has always stuck with me until this day. She said, son, I've learned to expect the unexpected with God. Just because it isn't happening how I pictured it. Just because it isn't playing out how I thought it would. Doesn't mean that God still isn't at work. If I'm being honest, Joe, I thought that my deliverance was going to come on this side. I thought that my healing would happen here on earth. But it's looking like for me that my healing is going to come in heaven. It's different than I expected. But in the midst, this great government is still being established. Nonetheless, son, it's good. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Come on, I feel that for somebody. Maybe you need to prophetically declare that to yourself. Maybe you just need to pat yourself on the chest and say, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. It's good, son, because he's still God. It's good because he's still God. Even if it's unfoldingly differently than I thought, his great government is still being established. For unto us, a child is born. And we shall call him Emmanuel. And the government shall rest on his shoulders and of the greatness of his government there will be no end. For he shall reign on the throne forever and ever. Amen. Why don't you jump to your feet? Let's pray at all of our locations. I, uh, I believe for somebody that uh, today is... Today, God is speaking directly to your heart. He's speaking directly to your heart. The light has come. The question is, will you receive him? Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, over every person under the sound of my voice. God, I pray over um, every disappointment, God, every dark day that we've had to experience, that we've had to weather. God, thank you that you've been in the midst of it. Thank you that you've been working through it, oh God. And thank you, God, that we can uh, depend on you to guide us through, Father. Thank you that you give good gifts, even though they may look different than how we thought they would. Father, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We believe that. We love you for that. And we're expecting the best to come. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen. Amen.